A few weeks ago, I get this email, and it's, let me just go ahead and tell you, this is my sermon title today, is Keeping Christ in Christmas. A few weeks ago, I get this email, would you help keep Christ in Christmas? Now, it was in my spam folder, and sometimes your emails end up in my spam folder, so I kind of glance through it real quick before I dump it. And I happened to see that, would you help keep Christ in Christmas? Well, I knew that I was doing this sermon in the middle of this series and I thought, wow, yeah, what, what's this guy got to say? It was in my spam folder, so I couldn't see, you know, anything about it other than really that title and a few little things. You know, all the links were, you know, were, were disengaged, and I, so I had to move it over into my inbox so that I could look at it and see what it was. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get something really juicy here for my sermon that's coming up. And here's what it was. And I thought, wow, isn't this awesome? If we want to keep Christ at Christmas, all we've got to do is pay 30 or 40 bucks and buy a big plastic nativity stick in our front yard, and we are keeping Christ in Christmas, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole Christmas spirit of our culture, at least today, isn't it? You know, there's something wrong with that. Uh, of course, it, it was, yeah, okay, I fell for it, right? I mean, that was the sales gimmick, wasn't it? Would you help keep Christ in I fell for it. I jumped in. But the problem is that when we fall for an email... The problem is when we fall for it in our whole lives, right? I mean, when we fall for, you know, the, the sales pitch that Christmas and keeping Christ in Christmas is all about how much money you spend on it. It's all about how well you decorate your house. It's all about all of these things that, you know, are not going to really matter. I mean, that big old plastic thing, it's probably going to last quite a few years, but man, I, I've got a family that's going to last a whole lot longer than that plastic nativity. And they need to know something more powerful, more serious than a big plastic white nativity sitting in the front yard. They need to know a little bit more about that, don't they? Stephen Maraboli, or however you pronounce his name exactly, uh, I got a quote from him. And uh, he said, if you want to keep Christ in Christmas, he said, do this, feed the hungry. Clothe the naked, forgive the guilty, welcome the unwanted, care for the ill, love your enemies, and do unto others as you would have done unto you. Now, we've heard that kind of talk before, haven't we, from Christ, like do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And we've kind of heard those things where Jesus said in the last day, you know, uh, when, when he is dividing the goats from the sheep, he said he's going he's gonna to say, you know, well, you didn't do this, talking about those kinds of things. And so Stephen Maraboli, he's really, he's on good solid ground here because keeping Christ in Christmas is not about just being able to say Merry Christmas or typing the word out Christ instead of just the X. That's not all that is there. It's a whole lot more to, keeping Christ in Christmas is a whole lot more than just saying the words, right? Isn't that the way all of life is? Life is more than just saying the words. Who you are is more than just saying the right things and defending everyone's right to say the right things. It is so much more. Let me take you to a, a, a kind of a crazy place in Scripture for a Christmas sermon. But in the book of Isaiah, God's, God's got a problem. Israel, you know, his nation that is following after him and the one he's really trying to, you know, he's really trying to reach they're kind, of, they're kind of a little bothered with God. Is it God that we're, we're praying and we're fasting? I don't know what fasting is. That's why I said this is a little weird being on a, sun, you know, a, a, a Christmas Sunday sermon because, our, I mean, whose mind is on fasting today? I mean, well, we're thinking the next two weeks we're going to eat and then we're going to eat 
And then we're going to eat some more. I mean, whose mind is on fasting today? And listen, there is, there is a time to fast, and then there's a time to celebrate, okay? So go ahead, eat and enjoy, you know, whatever. You, don't feel bad because I'm, I'm, I'm laying this out right here. But what fasting is, it's, it's like putting aside food for a while to say, I am master of my emotions, a master of my temptations, a master of my wants. I am master of these things. So it's like sliding this away to prove to yourself and to, and to build up that inner man that I can say no to those things. Because that's something that, you know, most of us eat three times a day. Some of you, I've heard you say you eat four or five times a day, you know. And, and so that's something that is, a, it's an everyday occurrence for everybody. I mean, this is a regular thing. And so to push aside a plate or to, or to not go to lunch and say, I'm, I'm skipping lunch today or, or, or to do that for a couple of days or, or even longer, that, that, that's, that's a big deal for us. It's a big deal for us, but it, but it helps us make sure that, that this inner man is stronger than that. But if we're just doing it to check off the checklist, okay, I fasted a little bit this month. God says, that's not going to work. And we could really relate this really to, to, to Christmas right here. What good is saying Merry Christmas when you keep on fighting and quarreling? I mean, think about that, right? In our culture, in our country today. What good is it if we make everybody in this country say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays? I mean, what, what good is it if we continue to fight and quarrel? So what good is fasting if you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting, this is God speaking now, it will, it will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves, you go through the motions of penance, you know, like you go through the motions of doing the things like when you've done something wrong, try to do something right to make up for it. You go through the motions of penance, you bow your heads like reeds bending in the wind, oh God, I'm so sorry. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. That's something that he did back in those days, all right? They dressed in burlap, meaning, you know, not, not nice, comfortable clothes. They would dress in burlap. They would cover themselves in ashes instead of washing up and looking real good. They would cover themselves in ashes to kind of to show that they were they were repentant and mourning. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Now, this is God asking this. Do you really think this is what's going to please me, doing these things? And then he goes on in verse 6. <clears throat> no. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly in prison. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. You know, you hear a lot today about injustice and human trafficking. You hear a lot today about that. But just to hear it or just to click like, you know, on the Facebook page because somebody posted something about that, that's, that's not all that is needed here. God is saying, actually do something about it. And he goes on and says, share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. That's a weird one, isn't it, thrown right there at the end? But, man, he hit some of you right between the eyes right there with that one, didn't he? You know, you got that one that when they, you, you see the caller ID, you're like, oh, nope, they just want $100 today, you know, and you're, you're hiding from them. You're, you're ignoring them. And what is, boy, God's calling you out today, too. He says, quit hiding from those in your family who need help. He didn't say give them $100 every time they need $100, but he said quit hiding from them. He said give them the help. But, but back, back up just a little bit there also because he says, share your food with the hungry. Here's the fast that God, God calls us to. You know, if you want, this is the fast that would please God. Is that you, if you skip lunch tomorrow, if you say, I'm skipping lunch tomorrow because you know what? I've been dealing with a lot of temptation. I've been dealing with a whole lot of stuff and I need to strengthen this inner man and I'm gonna prove to myself 
that I can overcome even the temptation to eat food every time my stomach grumbles. And so I'm going to fast lunch tomorrow. You know what God says? Share your food with the hungry. What he's saying here is, don't just do that and check it off and say, but take that five, seven dollars or whatever that you would have spent going through the drive-through at Milo's, you know, and, and take that and give it to somebody else who has need. That's what he's saying, is make it more than just going through the motions of repentance or more than just building up that inner, but do something good with it. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, Jeff kind of, he kind of got really close to this right here when he was talking about how, and, and it really fits here with, with us and in this Christmas day when we want to say, oh no, no, we got to say Merry Christmas, yet we don't do anything with it. And, 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 and Jeff was talking about how, how we're all against abortion, right? In the, in the evangelical church, we're, we're against abortion. But how many, how many of us are willing to take in a teenage girl who's pregnant? and needs a mentor, and needs a family to lift her up, and needs a family to encourage her. How many of us are willing you know, to say, look, don't go get an abortion? And how many of us are willing to, to do what it takes to help her make a life for her and her baby after that? And then, and then uh, give clothes to those who need them. Wow, so clothes, give clothes, so really, Maybe Christmas is all about socks and underwear, right? Because he just says, give clothes to those who need them. We need to do those kinds of things. And in doing those kinds of things, this, that's the things that opens the door for us to be able to minister and to be ministered to. Also, in uh, the book of, uh, I've got a book of James coming up next. James chapter two. And James is elaborating. You know, I'm reading a lot of scripture right here, but l- let me take you somewhere, okay? You're going with me, right? This is verse 14 through 17. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? If you skip a meal but you don't take that $5 and maybe give it to somebody that needs, needs a meal? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. I mean, that's the kind of thing we do, don't we? I'll pray for you to be warm and I'll pray for you to, to, to get well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, by, your, by faith itself, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. You know, Jesus Christ didn't die so that we would have the right to say Merry Christmas, that we would have the right to say that. He didn't, he didn't die so that we could fight over saying Merry Christmas or, or we could wish each other the Merry Christmas and then fight over the last R2-D2 or Hello Barbie on the store shelves. But that's what happened. And I'm not just talking about the culture. I'm talking about us. We're the ones fighting over the, the right to say Merry Christmas and yet then we're the ones that are in there, you know, beating, I mean, none of you are in the middle of all that on Black Fridays, are you? We're not in the middle of all, but trying to beat each other up over there. I, I wonder how many, some of those, you know, that maybe are beating somebody over the head with the box, you know, that they want to, are the ones that are fighting over the, the right to say Merry Christmas. The right to say Merry Christmas is not what Jesus came for. He didn't come just so that we could say Merry Christmas. And just saying Merry Christmas, but not fulfilling that, that's not pleasing to God. That's not what is fulfilling everything. 
One, one last place of Scripture I want to, I want to take you about. I'm, so, I'm sorry, we jumped to Scripture there. But keeping Christ in Christmas is not about having the right to say Christ, it's about living out the example of Christ. Living out that example. Living out that example. How do we live out that example? You know, fighting to say Merry Christmas, but then not doing anything about the hurting and the lost and the dying and the needs that are out there. It's kind of like a lot of people, and I don't know, I might be getting on some of your, your uh, toes here, kind of like a lot of guys with no, show, no shave November, you know, growing the whiskers, but not making a contribution to cancer research because that's what it's all about. It's not about the, hey, I don't have to shave in November. I mean, that's what, I think that's what a lot of guys like. I don't have to shave in November. It's not about that. It's about bringing attention to prostate cancer and, and about raising awareness and then also raising funds. The same thing with dress ember. You all heard of dress ember yet? If you hadn't noticed, a lot of our young ladies are wearing dresses a whole lot more than dress ember. Ask, ask them about it. But you know, it would be the same thing as wearing the dress and not doing anything to actually raise money for uh, human trafficking and the injustice that is going on there. And incidentally, today on the Sunday's page at the very end of my notes, you'll see some follow-through stuff. You'll see some links where you can go read about some of these things, okay, just in case you want to know. It's not enough to just say that and go through the motions and do the, the things that we need to do. We, we need to be looking for the opportunities, looking for the ministry chances. Because a lot of times, we get caught up in the problems of the world, and what do we do? Wring our hands. Nobody in, nobody in Congress has any, has any answers. You know, 30-something people are running for the Republican presidential, you know, nomination or whatever. I, you know, I don't know how many. My wife can tell you. She can probably name the names. But uh, I, a bunch of them are running. And you know what? None of them have the answer. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But it's just, it's just about stopping and saying, okay, what's right in front of me today? Where's there a young person that needs, that needs a granddad or a grandmom to put an arm around them and say, I believe in you today. Where's a, a, a single mom with three kids right in front of me today, look, trying to look, trying to say, how in the world am I going to make ends? How, how am I going to make Christmas happen for these kids? What's right in front of me? We talk about missions, and we talk about missions like it's something that somebody else does in some other place, but missions is what we all do. Sometimes there's someone that is called to another, another country and we support that person. We pray for them. We give them funds and we, we do everything we can to help them get there. But missions happens every single, or mission opportunities happen every single day of our lives. Right in front of you. This afternoon, you will have an opportunity to do something for somebody. And it may not be by, you know, spend $200 on Christmas gifts for a, a family in need. It may be something as simple, you know, as simple as taking your time to just stop and sit down with someone over coffee, or if you're like me, you got to drink, it's got to be sweet tea, not coffee, and just give some of your time. That's what God calls us to. Not to defend the name Christ. Not to defend Merry Christmas, but to live out the example of Jesus Christ. To take this a little deeper, let me quote from a literary classic. 
Y'all like the classics, right? <laughs> this is one of everybody's favorite, right? The Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. It's the, thank you, thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> now you can... Uh, now you can feel just a little bit more elevated in your cultural uh, experience here at 2911 as you just had one of the classics quoted to you, two pages of classics quoted to you. But it is a classic, isn't it? How many of you have watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas already this year? <laughs> yeah? You haven't yet? Okay, it's at my house. It's recorded. You can come, okay? Yeah, I mean, it, this is a classic, right? Okay, but th here's the point. It is a classic, but it's not a classic really for us adults even though we love it too, Right? It is a classic to our kids. And what is it saying? It's saying Christmas doesn't. This is what we want to tell our kids. Dr. Seuss, he has, he's got it right right here. And this is what we, this is why it's a classic. It's because it's so awesomely done, but because there's truth there. And it's truth that we want to give our kids. Christmas doesn't come from a store. Christmas is much more than just what we sometimes make of it and think about. And, and, and th these are the truths that we know. These are the truths that we, that we hold dear. And so we write stories and we, and, we, and we make up fairy tales and we tell these things. I mean, the whole Santa Claus thing, right? You know, and, and it's like, I was telling our five-year-old grandson the other day about Santa Claus was a real man. And I told him about how he did all these things. I said, you know, we've, we've added some to the story here or there or whatever. You know, and we add to that. Why? You know, because you better not, Pout, you better not cry. You know, we, we tell them that. Why? Because we want them to, to do right things. So, so we have all these classics, classical stories and, and different things that we throw in there and do and what for, uh, because we want our kids to know what's right. But we sometimes forget the things that we're telling our kids are exactly the things that we need to be hearing. Here's, 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 here's the question today, I guess. Is Christmas about getting or is it about giving? Really, answer that question. That's not rhetorical. That is, that, uh, answer that. Is Christmas about giving or getting? Which is it? If it is truly about getting and not giving, then what does it matter what gift we get from somebody? If Christmas isn't about receiving, but it's about giving, then what does it matter what we get because that's what it's about. What does it matter what is gifted to us? Because that's not what matters. What matters is the giver, the person that gave to us, the time that they spent in, in, in selecting a gift. Okay, okay, yeah. If you run into somebody on Christmas Day and they said, man, I didn't know I was going to see you today. Here, let me give you $5 and, and Merry Christmas. Okay, you know, uh, I, that's, there's nothing there, right? But most of the people that give you a gift, I mean, what do they do? They are thinking about you, right? And even if, they, even if they only gave you a gift card, you know, if they gave you one to Lowe's, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, we're good. 
they were thinking about me, right? Because they knew, you know, that's, that, that's my story. You know, me and Colin, that's, my sto- that's our story, you know? And so, and so if they do that, they, they were thinking about you. They went to the trouble. They, they were, you know, how big was the gift? They sacrificed. You know, and, and they didn't go into, even if they, it was a gift card, they didn't go into a store and somebody handed them a gift card. Now, maybe they regifted. Okay, but you don't know, just don't worry about it. All right, because it's not about that. But they didn't, it wasn't handed to them. They took some of the money that they worked in their job last week and they spent it on you. Christmas is not about the receiving, it's about the giving. And so we need to quit, you know, we need to quit complaining about the socks and underwear. If you complain about the socks and the underwear or whatever you get, then you believe Christmas is about getting instead of giving. And we need to change that. There's a, one of my favorite stories. I used to use this all the time as maybe an introduction to an offering or something or, or sharing on a day that we were talking about stewardship and giving. <coughs> Story of, of, a, of a young lady who accepted a job to be a teacher on, on a remote island in the South Pacific. And she was going there. She had to learn the language. She went there and she was a teacher and, and she was also a Christian young lady. And so she was, it was a mission to her. So she was pouring into these kids. She was teaching them, but she was also telling them about Jesus. One day, one of the little boys, he came in and he had the most beautiful shell that she had ever seen, seashell. She had never seen anything like this shell. He laid it on her desk and he said, in, you know, in his broken English, he told her that he had heard it was her birthday today and he said, I wanted to bring you the best thing I could, I, I, I could find to give you. And she just, you know, oohed and odd all over it. And it's like, told him how beautiful it was. And, and she said, you know, I, I've, I've been up and down the beach here and I've never seen a shell anything like this. And, and so he had to explain to her that, that th- these are a particular shell that you can only find on the other side of the island. And she said, the other side of the island? Oh, oh I... You shouldn't have gone that far. That, that, that is such, such a long walk over there. And, and for you to go, you didn't go by yourself, did you? That, that, was just, that, was, that was just way too far for you to go to get me a gift. And he replied, long walk, part of gift. See, the pe- people that give to you, people that do for you, getting in the car and driving, even you know, driving to Walmart, or getting in the middle of that crowd and buying that, it's the long walk or the little drive or the fighting the crowd, that's part of the gift to you. So when someone gives to you, quit, quit looking at it. It's like, why did you buy me this? And say, I'm amazed that you even thought of me. That's what Christmas is supposed to be. It's supposed to be about the giver. It's supposed to be about not, not, not the what that is given, but about the wine, about the heart, and about the spirit of it. I'm not telling you anything new, am I? I hope not. I hope nobody was raised in such a narcissistic family that you've never heard these kinds of things before. But you know this. We know this. This is what Christmas is. Let me take you to one more scripture. This is in Matthew chapter 2. The story of the, the wise men. I almost said three wise men because we always think there's three even though the Bible doesn't say it's three. It could be three. Or uh, and, and some, some translations say the magi. Is this chapter 2? We're going to read just three verses, 1, 2, and 11, okay? It kind of jumps around a little bit, but I just want you to see this. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. 
And then we skip down to verse 11. When they were coming to the house where Jesus was, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Just real briefly, what's the response to the gift supposed to be? The gift. Jesus was the gift. The best, the most awesome gift. And what was their response? Not to just say, wow, amazing, thanks. Look at the lengths they went to to give the gift. First of all, they came from the east. Now, we don't know how far they came, but if somebody came here today from Tarrant, I wouldn't say they came from the east. <laughs> I said they just came from Tarrant right over the, over the hill here, right? The east, it means they came from a long ways, all right? This was days, no doubt weeks probably, that their travel took them. And why did they come? Because they had been studying. They had been, th- they had been reading on this, this Christ child, this Messiah, this Savior that was coming. They had been reading, they had been studying. And you know, in our culture today, we don't have time to study anybody else because all we're doing is studying ourselves. All we've got time to do is think about what we want for Christmas. All we've got time to do is think about how something impacts us and how something is going to, you know, to make our life better or worse. We don't have time to study anybody else. They were studying Jesus. And, you know, they did the thing. They did the thing that was more difficult for any man to do. They did the thing that it is the, the number one top thing, the, the most difficult thing for a man to do, they did. Did you see it right there? They stopped and asked for directions. They said, where is he? Born, they couldn't find him. You know, he's not on the map, not on my GPS. Where is he? Now, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but for some of us, it'd be a big deal, wouldn't it? They did the number one, they, they did the hardest thing that is for a man to do. And when they, when they came to him and they saw him, they bowed and they worshiped. And when they bowed and they worshiped, they also presented to him gifts. You remember that scripture? If you've been here a, a little while, if you've been at 2911 for a while, you've heard me use this scripture before because there are several of them in the Old Testament where God says, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. They didn't come empty-handed. They came with a gift. And they didn't just come with any gift. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I haven't priced frankincense or myrrh in a while, so I don't really know how expensive it is, but I think gold is pretty expensive even back in those days. And I'm told frankincense and myrrh was a very special gift. What did they do? They didn't say, hey, what did somebody give me last Christmas that I can re-gift here? They took something of their treasure and they brought to the Christ child. And they brought it all that way. And have you ever carried cash in your car or something? You know, a lot of cash or, or something expensive or maybe, maybe, you know, the engagement ring that you were gonna give to that girl, you know, and you've got it in your car somewhere. And, you know, it's got to stay in there for a day or two or something. Or, or maybe you're traveling for hundreds of miles or whatever. And what do you do? I, maybe you're not like me. But, you know, you keep opening up the glove compartment, make sure it's still in there, right? You know, every time you get back in the car, you know, you stop to get gas, use the bathroom, get something to eat. You come back in and you open it, make sure it's still there, right? Because it's important. I can imagine on their, on their trip, they're probably checking, make sure the gold is still there on the side of the camel. They're still checking to make sure the frankincense hasn't, hasn't spilled or, or anything. They're still checking those things. They're thinking about it all the way. And, you know, that's the problem with a lot of us. We show up at church a lot of times on Sunday. We had not thought a thing about God. What am I taking to God today? 
You know, that's not, not, not a whole lot of gratitude for the most awesome gift ever given. No one should appear empty-handed. When we come, always, you know, always come. Some of you give online. It's really cool to see some of you, you know, that, that you give online. Actually, once you get here, you take out your phone and you give here at the church, but you give online. It's pretty cool. But that's a good thing. You know, even if all you've got is a dollar, you know, to drop in the offer, but just if, if, all you, if, all, if you can just scrounge up a quarter underneath the seat of the car, you know, something just say, I, you know, I, I do want to bring God something. They treasured this all the way and said, we are going to give something amazing to the Christ child. And, and let me explain one little something here before uh, I invite you to come join me at the front. Is you don't hear me ask for offerings for us, for our church, for those things. Our tithes, when, when our members... You know, those of us who this is our vision, this is what God has called us to do, this is the dream that he has given us, 2911, then we fund this through our tithes and offerings. And that's what goes in those bags on your way out the door that you first-time attenders, we just want your card back there. But, but, but I, I don't ask for more because we pay all of our bills out of that. And even after that, we've normally got some extra that we, we do benevolent stuff. We do things out in the community. So, so I never come to you for an offering for the bills. You know, because I think we, we, we just, we need to do what we need to do. You need to give as God has blessed you, and then the church needs to live within the budget that, that God has given by giving through you. But I will remind you of this, that there are other places that we need to be giving as well. So this morning, I'm going to, I, I want to tell you about a few, a few ideas that, I, that I've got for you, because I can't really bring a gift to Jesus today and put it in his hands. But you know what he tells us? He tells us when we do it unto the least of these, then we've done it unto him. And so when I see that single mom trying to make ends meet for Christmas, or when I see that, that lonely man sitting all by himself that I see every single morning when I stop for a biscuit and he's always sitting by himself and looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders, so when I see that young adult or teenager that really could just use a little bit of connection with an older person, and I'm talking older in their terms, not older as in you got to be 90 years old to, to pour into a teenager. But when I see those, I'm seeing the opportunity Christ has given me to give him something today. And so I challenge you today, start opening your eyes and see those opportunities. It's not about getting it's about the giving. Can I ask you to join me at the front for the close? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And we got something else, another little special something else I want to close. So please come join us if you will. How many of you know the true meaning of Christmas? In case you've forgotten, let's let Charles Schultz remind us this morning. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Can Linus get it? Amen. That's what Christmas is all about. So let me just tell you, let me just put a couple of ideas in your, in your head today. A few weeks ago, we did a toy drive for the uh, Lakota Sioux children of uh, the Standing Rock Indian Reservation. Do you remember that? Uh, right at, at our Thanksgiving dinners when we brought them in. Their party is coming up because it's almost Christmas now, and uh, they need some funds for that party. I'd, li- I'd like to pay for that party. You know, so if you'd like to do that, you can drop a dollar, ten dollars, or uh, probably $250 what they're going to need for that whole party just to feed all the kids and everything. If you want to help with that, or you can do it online as well. Uh, so we're gonna, we'll send a check. We need to do that in a hurry because Christmas is almost here and they need to make the plans. Also, there's a, there's a group of ladies called Royal Chicks. Y'all know the Royal Chicks? Uh, I, I didn't say Dixie Chicks, Ro. Uh, I did say Royal Chicks. Uh, that's, that's her son's, Jimmy's fault. But, uh, but these ladies, are, have, they, they've got some awesome ministry going, but one of the most awesome things they've done is they've bought Christmas for eight kids. And I don't mean they went and bought them a toy. They've bought Christmas for eight kids, and they raised the funds. And, uh, and we've got another family that I've not even talked to Roe about yet, uh, the leader of the, uh, the Royal Chicks. I've not even talked to her about yet. And if you'd like to help with this, with this one more family, then, uh, again, right, you can drop some money in the bag or you can go online. If you go online, there's a place there where you can put special instructions, say, I want to help that one additional family. Or you can, you can get a, a, an envelope back there if you want to write there. Again, listen, I'm not talking about budget. I'm not talking about we need to pay some bills today. I'm talking about an example of Christ that is right out in front of us, an opportunity for us to do something for somebody uh, that, is, that is right out in front of us in, in those things. And one, one last one, let me just, here's an idea. In the spirit of socks and underwear, uh, being my sermon series today, uh, next Sunday I'd like to do a sock drive, okay? So this week if you'll buy a pair of socks and bring them, everybody doesn't have to do this, but if half of you do it, we'll have, it'll be be plenty of what we want to do. We've also got several people in our church that uh, once a month they go to a local nursing home and, uh, and, and they, they take ministry there to do. And uh, one of the things, whenever we've done any kind of baskets or boxes or gifts for nursing home residents, always on that list that the nursing home would give me suggestions is socks. Think about sitting socks. You know what sitting socks are? Socks that you don't need because you not not socks that you're gonna need because you're gonna get up and go somewhere, but socks because you're just sitting and you need your feet to stay warm. And during this season of Christmas and and the, and the winter, uh, as it's getting colder and colder, a lot of nursing home residents all they do is they lay in bed all day. Maybe they get up to a chair and that's all they do, but they still need socks. You don't think about that, but they do. And so I'd like I'd like to ask all of you to join me. Go buy a pair of socks and think 
think warm socks. Think just sitting somewhere and just wanting your toes to stay toasty all day, okay? And just let's, let's do that next week. And let's let uh, this, this group of ladies and, and some men sometime go with them as well. Let's let them go with a big, just a big bag of socks and love. And they get, we get too many, they might have to take some to several nursing homes, okay? But just in the spirit of socks and underwear, I know we could do socks and underwear, but we don't know the size of socks are one size fits all, right? And uh, we, I'm really resisting the urge to make uh, quite a few little jokes here, but let's just, uh, let's just do the socks thing, okay? And, uh, and just join me in that. So many opportunities. You know what? And this afternoon, you're going to get one as well. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song in just a moment, but right before she does, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over our attitudes. I want, us, I want us to ask God to help us with our attitudes because this culture that we live in is man is just screwing up our attitude about Christmas. Every single time you turn on the TV, every time you, you walk into a store, they're messing it up. We need to constantly battle and, and remind ourselves what it's really all about. But here's what I also want to add. There, there are some of you that really need prayer today. This prayer team, they're standing here waiting on you. We're not just praying about Christmas today. We're praying. Um, some of you need a job. Some of you need a better job. Some of you just need a raise. Some of you need to make ends meet for Christmas. Some of you are, are struggling with family issues or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. We want to pray with you because the Word of God says, we're to agree concerning anything. It shall be done of my Father in heaven. That's Jesus speaking. He says, if you agree with somebody else, we want to agree with you. I want to be that person. They want to be that person that agrees with you. So all we're praying, if you have a need, just come forward. If you have to make a line, make a line and just wait on somebody to pray with you. Bow with me, if you will. Let's pray. Father,